Hello, fans, and welcome to Hoosier Hoopsteria, a podcast about basketball from the biggest basketball state of all, Indiana. Let's meet your hosts for this podcast. First, hailing from the mean streets of Frankton, Indiana, a St. Francis University alum and Hoosier State basketball legend in his own mind, Austin, better known as Dad. His running mate is a lifelong Hoosier fan, basketball player wannabe, and an average high school assistant basketball coach from the east side of Indianapolis, BJ, or better known as Charlie. All right, Dad, what's up, everybody? Charlie and Dad, back at it. What's up, big guy? What's going on, Charlie? How are you? Man, I'm just, I'm just, I'm coming down from the high of NBA playoff basketball over the weekend and into last night, especially. If, if you're not a basketball fan, or if you are a basketball fan, and you haven't enjoyed the last few days, then I feel sorry for you. You're not really a basketball fan. If you you're haven't really enjoyed not. it, you're not really a basketball fan. So we got to go. Let's go back. Let's go back to the end of, let's go back to game seven, Bucks and Nets. I'm just going to say this. When I saw Kevin Garnett hit that shot that was a tie. Kevin it ended Garnett, up being, Garnett. Kevin Garnett. Oh, God, I love Kevin Garnett. <laughs> no, impossible is nothing. Um, Kevin Durant. See, I just I can't even. I can't take the Nets serious. I just can't. When I saw him hit that shot, I literally was like, I hate the NBA. Like, that was my initial. Just, I hate the NBA. This guy's going to win it again. And then when we found out that his – Dumbass wearing a shoe that's one size too big cost his team a series. Wearing slippers. I I was in pure joy. Nothing made me happier than to see the Nets go home. Man, that was incredible. Like I've the dramatic events that led to that was just <laughs> insane. Like like not only did his his foot was on the line, but the fact that we have to talk about him wearing a, a full size bigger of a shoe, like Okay. Who does who? Why is, why is that a story? Like who does that when you make the kind? When no, you know Nike gives him his shoes for free. They're his shoes. Why do we have to make it a story? So it's like, all right. So because if he had his, on the right size shoes, he would have been a three uh, instead of a two, babe. Jeez. And the Nets would have moved on. I have a Love lot it. of I have a lot of sayings that I could use, but they're not appropriate for the pod. That's yeah, good. You stay that <laughs> stuff stays off the pod. That stuff stays off the pod. All right. So the Nets get beat. Giannis, the Greek freak, and the Bucks move on. Then we go game seven, part two. Um, Hawks and and Sixers. So we gotta talking, go. We so gotta go talking, in. Yeah. We gotta go in on this. We're talking let's about first, the, the unprocessed. Hold on. Let's first tip our cap to Coach Nate, Jeez. Nate McMillan, going to the Eastern Conference Finals with the upstart Atlanta Hawks. Let's be real. Nobody, nobody picked the Hawks to be in the Eastern Conference Finals. Weren't they – they were like below – like four or five games below 500 at the All-Star break, correct? They – um, I heard like 20, the 26, to, wasn't it? I heard a stat today that they were 14 and 25 or 14 and 26 when they fired the 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 first coach, whoever that was. I can't remember who it was. Uh, what was his name? And then when and since Nate McMillan has taken over, they are 35 and 15. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, he can't coach though. Well, what's 
Yeah, I can't believe. It. I think we got we got rid of them just because of uh, there's some. We get, well, I think in the locker room. But I, I think we'll they, go we'll go in on the Pacers in a little yeah, bit. We'll go in on the Pacers in a little bit. We'll Let's hold that, off yeah. on them. Let's hold off on them. All right, so we have to go into the we have to go into the process. Jeez, is is the process officially processed? Is it officially over? Uh, which which part? There's two people we're going to talk about. Which one do you want me to talk about first? Well, I think we know who we're going to spend <laughs> the most time on. So why don't you go with Joel first? Um, what a child! Like he he just Shots is. Fired. Well, he's just not mature. Like he not wants to. Like, how about you just say, "Hey, I wish Ben Simmons would have dunked the ball." Like he should have dunked the ball, and I felt like that was a momentum yeah. swing. Like, yeah. we all knew who you were talking about. Like, but that shows me that you're just a little girl, and that you don't have a sack to just say, "Hey, Ben." Not like, that, not that they're, not that girls won't say what they, what they think. What, what is it? What's that show? Anger management. You gotta talk that. You gotta talk that. <laughs> Remember that movie? Yes, classic. So I, so Sandler, I feel like Jack. I feel like honestly. I feel like their problems. You might disagree. I feel like Philly's problems center around Joel Embiid, mm. just because he is he is selfish. He is. I agree. Conceited. He is never wrong. Like he I, elbowed John Collins in the face and then didn't want a foul to be caught. It's like you literally elbowed him in the face. Like he he never does anything wrong. I think that my impression of of Embiid is that. He's uber talented. Oh, for sure. And I don't think that there's enough, like there's enough, there's not enough guys like him in the league anymore. In the sense of like, can you imagine? Like he's one of the, he's like a throwback center in a lot of ways. You know, he uh, he he belongs in that that era of. I mean, can you imagine him going head to head with the Admiral David Robinson or Hakeem or I mean, those are the guys that are more like him. Yeah. And I just don't think I think that he is. He is very uh, – he's unbelievably talented. I agree with you. I think he's selfish. I also think, though, that he and Ben Simmons are a bad, bad mix. And well, yeah, they just hate each having other. Nothing to do, and having nothing to do with their relationship or anything. I just don't think from a basketball standpoint – and, you know, let me, let's be real. I don't, yeah. I don't know everything, but I, I feel like I know the game pretty well. And they don't fit. Ben Simmons needs space to drive, kick, make things happen. Joel Embiid needs the middle – to be Joel Embiid, they right. can't, they can't coexist. In fact, I heard a thing oh, yesterday no, yeah. where it talked about how the games that that Embiid missed, Ben Simmons averaged like thirty a game. He had like a forty-five point night one of the games Embiid's out because you have to guard him man to man, and he has driving lanes all over the place. Yeah, Simmons so, needs to be surrounded by shooters, and the same goes for Embiid. Like, Embiid, yeah. Like they both need shooters around them to be successful, and they have one. Yeah, well, they have a couple, right? I mean, you got Curry, you got Seth Curry, Harris. He's a pretty decent shooter. Now, I think when they lost JJ Redick, that hurt. Yeah, it was big. Um, I think it hurt more than they thought it was going to hurt. Mm-hmm. And I can't even think anybody else for them. I don't care to. I hate the Sixers, so I'm glad that they're out. But here's my okay. So Ben Simmons, okay. Charlie and Dad, two weeks with Ben Simmons. Can we fix him? Well, depends if he's willing to listen. But like, 
I've watched how many times do you watch these stupid videos on Twitter over the summer that's like, oh, Simmons can shoot. And it's like, okay, so he made a couple pickup game threes. Like, he wants no part of shooting. No part. No. A little hitch. Yep. I mean, it's it's bad. His form is his form is not good, but it's also not so bad that it couldn't be fixed. But I think it's all between his ears. I think that I think that he has a very different vision of who he wants to be as a player than the Sixers are making him as you know, or than the Sixers view him as. Um, I think he's a guy that if I were the Sixers, I'd be trying to see what I could get for him. You know, because you know who he reminds me of who. I think it's just Philadelphia because I, I believe he's a lot like Carson Wentz when it comes to Philadelphia and being unable to handle the smoke that comes, mm. from, that, comes from that city. Listen, that city is not soft. You say a lot of things about the city of brotherly love. They are not, they are not easy on their superstars. That's why like Alan Iverson thrives there because like, I think it comes down to like, uh, my brother-in-law was in town. Uh, Monday, and he's from Philly, and so and he's not a big sports fan, but he like just talks about how vicious the media is. So I think it comes down to like who you are as a person. Oh yeah, when it comes to playing for the any organization in Philadelphia. Oh, you got to be you got to be nut tough, and you got to be you got to be Teflon. You can't you can't let things stick to you. You got things got to bounce off. I ain't that hard. I mean, I ain't that hard for, for especially young athletes today. Right. So you got to draft a kid that's like been through some crap. Like you can't buy, you can't draft Ben Simmons, Carson Wentz, who's like they've been the best in their class forever. Forever. You got to bring somebody in that's like nut tough, that had to grind to get everything that they've gotten in their life. Yeah. Like an an AI. Like Seth Curry, man. He's being successful right, there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's right. always the, the shadow, yeah. the you know, the in the yeah. shadow of the brother. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, I'll be interested to see what happens with Ben Simmons. I'm I'm on I'm officially on board. I'm gonna shift gears to our Pacers talk now. I'm officially on board with the Pacers trading the 13th pick in the NBA draft for Ben Simmons. We gotta get some shooters. And wait, I'm I'm on board for trading the 13th pick in the NBA draft and Malcolm Brogdon to the Sixers for Ben Simmons. You're in, aren't you? You love that idea. I like that idea. Speaking of the 13th picks, the Pacers lose the draft lottery again. Well, guess what? We The best uh, trade, I was listening to the best trade that Kevin Pritchard, whatever he did trade-wise was in Portland when he traded Tyrese Thomas, who he drafted for LaMarcus Aldridge. That's the best trade that he's draft pick in quotations that he has done as a general manager. That's right, it. I look, we've already, we've already talked about, we're not thrilled with his draft history. So um, why not just start trading our picks to at least try to, we only have, we only have, we have three picks in this draft. 13th pick is obviously the only one in the first round. Then we have like number 55 maybe. And number 60, which you might as well just pick up guys and let them come in and try out. Like at that point, what, who cares? Pick up Dad and Charlie and just, I think Dad and Charlie's knees are probably done. Dad and Charlie's <laughs> knees and back are probably not ready for training camp. Yeah, we can re- we can stand in one spot and hit Jays. Well, I don't know if we can hit him, but I'm going to shoot him. 
Well, we are we're definitely shot takers. We may not be shot makers, but that that's really okay at this stage. At this stage in the game. All right, so we got all kinds of pacer stuff. We got the 13th pick, and we don't have a coach. And now there's all kinds of coaching gigs that are better than I mean, the Pacers is probably there's seven coaching jobs I think in the NBA right now. Pacers is probably number seven of of yeah, if you're ranking. I thought I read we were like in the middle, like three, four. Yeah, but I think that was before Carlisle stepped down. Do you really want to go to that? To Carlisle? Man, that seems like a freaking train wreck with uh, that analytics dude. And you hey, look, look, Mark Cuban. At least with us, it's like we just we just fired a dude because he wasn't was very crazy. good. Yeah, he was crazy. Like, couldn't well, they didn't fire Rick though. I think Rick was just like, I'm done. Well, I think it had to do with Donnie Nelson too. Like, well, I think Donnie was like, okay, that that was a, that was, but that, he had been there twenty some years. I mean, I at some it, point, I think at it some was, point you got to move on. Where Luca told him some about a timeout. Which, yeah, Luca. Way, I don't. How about Luca? Like, just shut the hell up and play. Like you're 22. Like, shut up and dribble. <laughs> like, like man, they there's a and, and I'm sure there's going to come a time like where coaches and organizations are tired of listening to the players. All right. Yeah, but like I think we're the players have so much power that that, that it, even if even if they're tired of it. I don't think it ever stops. I think that the coaches and GMs, I think, have to adapt and understand that you have to have people in these positions who are relationship people. Right. So, so kind of weeding out the uh, like teachers back in the day of like sit in your seat. I'm the teacher. Listen the to student. me. Deal with it. Yeah. The, the days and it's like when we were coaching. I mean, even even gosh, even when we were coaching, the days of it's my way or the highway were pretty much gone. I mean, that was when I was a kid. It you was can, this, you can this, have this, that this. if you have relationships. Exactly. And but that but that's the thing. I don't know how well and this is this is mean, but I don't know how well a guy my age who's a multimillionaire who's done this, 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 and this, I don't know how well they look at a twenty two year old from Slovenia or wherever. I think Luca's from Slovenia and say to them, yeah, well, I don't care what you think. I don't know how well you get a guy who's my age or older to really take a 22 year old. Who's clearly one of the best basketball players in the world. Oh, and sure. And have that kind of relationship uh, where you talk through your decisions with them, which I think is ultimately what players want. Players want to feel like they're being heard. And so you I think the best down to, cause if you look at, if you look at the last teams that are still playing, mm-hmm. I feel like that tells me a lot about one, about probably most about the coaches and being able to relate. Yeah. Like being able to have relationships and being able to listen. Isn't that funny though? Cause Monte Ellis, I feel like is the, <laughs> I feel like he's the best coach in the NBA. Who? Being able to Monte. M- Monty Williams. Monty. You said I Monte was, Ellis. I was like the little guy. I, who's oh, played for the yeah. Shoot. Oh, yeah, man, Monty I was like, wait a minute, that guy's coaching? <laughs> wait, no. No, he's – I'm going to leave that be. He's going to say something I shouldn't. Mm-hmm. No, but, like, he's he's been able to relate. Oh, he's phenomenal. And, but I think the NBA has went so much towards, like, if you've played. Have a you played – You have, have to be pl- a player's coach. 
have you played the game? If not, don't tell me what to do. I feel like that's yeah. where it's at right now. I think there's some truth to that, but I and I also think though that that you know I think that that's at every level now. Yeah, I mean, truthfully, I feel like you know I got heck. I, I that's why I, I like to hire at IU. I got teenagers who you know want to tell me how they know more than this person or that person because they they never played. You know, and that you know it is what it is, but um, I don't think that's necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. I just think it's a thing. <laughs> All right, so let's get into this. Let's get into this game last night because that's really what I want to talk about. All I'm going to say is this: when you go screen the screener to win a basketball game, and no, and no, that's the other thing. All these analysts, all these you know national talking guys are talking about how oh, everybody was watching Booker because they thought he was going to get the shot. Dude, there was 0.9 seconds Point left. 0.9. Like, Everybody knew it had to be going to the rim. The fact that they ran old school screen the screener. It was, I mean, it was textbook. Old school screen the screener. I go screen. He comes, hits me with the back screen. We throw it to the rim. Boom, let's go. That was insane. Well, how, how dumb was it that they didn't switch that? Oh, yeah, as or you say. Ch- or Chuck, or Chuck Aiden. They they didn't they didn't do anything. They didn't adjust at all on the fly. But part of that too was the people they put in the game. You put Boogie Cousins in the game to guard the inbounder. I you had a, I think that's so stupid that you had guard a, the backs. You had a big ball. You had a big guy guarding. You know that. You know they they weren't. I don't know. I don't know. It, it it was. I literally sat there and I jumped out. I jumped. And scared my wife to death. I jumped and went, yeah, like screen the screener, baby. Here we go. Oh, play number one. <laughs> I think between you and our listeners that we know that I'm not a very intelligent person. That's true. But guarding the inbounder with 0.9 seconds, that guy can't score. Like he cannot score from out of bounds. Like oh, I just God. don't understand. Like put, put the tallest guy you have at the rim. Like what are we doing? Well, that's the thing that – that was do. the other thing I, want, I wanted to go back to was, okay, so I, di- I didn't know much at all about DeAndre Ayton. I mean, obviously, I remember him being a freshman at Arizona, and he's been in the league now a couple of years. Okay, so he is what I believed. Now, this is totally – you'll get this. A lot, maybe our listeners won't. DeAndre Ayton is what I believed Greg Oden would be. Yes. I mean, he is physical. He is athletic. He is long. He can jump out of the gym, and and he just plays. Like you never see him chirping. You never see he just plays. Like I, yeah. I had never. I had probably watched maybe one Suns game because they're never on here, right? I mean, they're never. Man, on they're here. they are fun to watch. Holy, it's smokes. like watching. It's like watching a college team. Although I will say, Clippers they play a little bit differently, but they share the ball. That's true. Well, it's funny watching the Suns and the Clippers in comparison to watching the Nets and the Bucks on the weekend. Bucks, the amount of yeah. possessions, the amount of possessions in the Nets Bucks game. At one point, I counted like twelve possessions in a row where both teams, where only one person touched the basketball yeah. the entire possession. And Giannis, Giannis is ridiculous with the way that he does. How about the fact that he backs up like five feet behind the the three point arc and then gets like a. <laughs> It's like a running start, like a cart, like an old school cartoon. How about <laughs> him thinking that he can, actually, he can actually shoot? Yeah, but I think he has to keep shooting. 
Really? I mean, I know it's not pretty, and I know it doesn't go in, but I feel like if he doesn't do it, then he he's even more of a liability. I mean, gosh, we were just talking about Ben Simmons. Like, you have to be willing to take shots. And I just think that, – And that's probably what he – the difference between him and Simmons is, but Giannis just gets downhill and – Oh, he's a freak, man. I mean, the, the Greek freak is a great nickname for him because he's unbelievably athletic. And I don't know how tall he is. He's, I think he's the same as Simmons. I think he's like I mean, 6'10". They, I think they list him as 6'10". I think that dude's at least 7'1". He's well, I think it's his wingspan. Good Lord. He's got he, – he is – he the amount of which – the amount of ground he covers in one hard dribble is unbelievable. <laughs> I just – they're hard to watch. Bucks are hard to watch. They are. Year. They are. The whole entire. I feel like the. I feel like the Eastern Conference is hard to watch. Uh, I can Every, watch the Hawks play. Everything's ISO. Yeah, that's true. The Hawks, but again, the Hawks play a little bit more like that, sharing the ball. But I think also too that goes back to the fact that your best player on those teams, your best player is a facilitating and scoring guard. Can do it all. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I. I man, that game last night was fun. I mean, that game was fun. Uh, yeah, that game was really good. And I, it was just fun to watch, like, how many times, like, oh, it's like uh, Greensburg says, you give up a good shot to get the best shot to get a great shot. Yeah, you give up like, a good man, shot. There's, yeah. There's so many times it's like, oh, I'm open through it one more time. It's like, one oh, more. I'm kind one of more. open. One more in that, bam. Yep. Done. I've been really impressed with Reggie Jackson. Holy smokes. Oh, he's a heck yeah, he's a heck of a player, man. Man. I love that he had, I love that he wears the Oakley goggles too. That just makes me yeah. happy. Yeah. Cameron Payne was stupid last night. Cameron Payne's awesome. Where'd that dude come from? <laughs> uh Murray State and he went like it's crazy. He went like played in the NBA, played in China, played in the G League to play for yeah. the Suns. Yeah. Talk and he's still only like twenty four, twenty five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think their entire nucleus, other than Chris Paul, is under 25. How about everything that they do? It's like every credit is like to the next guy. Mm-hmm. Like if Ben Simmons had 40, he'd be like, yeah, I played really well last night. Like I dominated. Where it's like you get 40 for the Suns, and it's like, yeah, my teammates got me open. Like oh, they sh- yeah. we shared the ball. Like, and I think yeah, that yeah, all goes yeah. back. I, I do think some of that has to do with them being young. I think some of that has to do with them being young. I think some of that has to do, truthfully, I think some of that has to do with the, I'm going to call it the Chris Paul effect. Oh, I think he's, I think Chris Paul is, I used to hate him because I thought he was a jerk. I, yeah, I agree. But Second. Now that he's gotten a little older, and the way that he's been able to just like captivate young people. Yeah, he's the, he's the, he's the leader. Well, and I also think that goes back to that relationship we talked about earlier with Monty Williams. Like, Right. Him and Monty Williams are tight from their days back in New Orleans when Paul was just a kid. Yeah. And now he's this, you know, he's the elder statesman and Monty Williams is the is the leader and their relationship is going to filter down to all those young guys because if the best guy, that's the other thing I think. If the best guy is willing to be coached, yes, everybody else can be coached. If the best guy is going to play the well, don't coach me card, then that's where you. That's where, as a coach, you you you're losing. You're, you're never going to win that. Um, I think that's. I think it's fascinating. I think it's, they're going to be fun. To, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to root for the Suns the rest of the way. I am too. 
and it, it's crazy to me because I didn't think I'd go there. I was, I mean, they they about, put out my jazz. They, they put out terrible. our jazz. They were terrible. They put out our jazz. And then, like, uh, but I still years. think that I still think that series would have been different if Conley was healthy. Yeah, but you he could tried to for, play. You could try to play in the last of, game. A lot of series this this year with all the injuries. Oh yeah, well that's what everybody, all the NBA guys are whining about. Oh, because the short, yeah, whatever. There's always injuries. It's just not usually this top top notch guys, and it has been this year. Right, like my argument. I don't know anything, but that's my argument. But that, what are you gonna do? Play less games because what are you gonna? LeBron, you can't sell that to the guys at the end of your bench. That's only making a couple million dollars. Then when you're making thirty, like you've got to play enough games. So those guys make Look, some money. I've been a proponent of. A 66-game NBA season, or not even that. No, let's even go less. Let's go a 62-game NBA season. You play every team in the league twice. There's 32 teams in the league. So you play a 62-game season. You play every team twice, and we go to the playoffs. Now, that'll never happen because that'll cost right. you millions no, and millions of dollars. No, no divisions. Just but the game – Play everybody twice. Top. And I don't, even care if, I don't even care if you still have divisions. You can still have divisions because you're playing everybody. You're playing the same exact schedule, so who cares? But – if if you if you do that, and I this takes this I get all this from the year that the, they had the lockout or the strike or whatever they had when they had the season started late. There's no need for you played 62 games. There's no need for load management. There's no need for back to back games. Right. There's no need for the four day you know four games and six nights traveling all over. There's no need for that because I you're think only that's crazy. Game. Like I think it should be something like that where it's like all right. If, we finished. We play a game tonight. We should leave tonight, go to wherever we're going to play at tomorrow, have a practice, and then play the next day. Or yeah, well, every other day, like every other day, every other day. That yeah, should, I, I think you should that. never play back to it. And I and I think, but I think that all goes back to the number of total games. And so if you and I agree, I understand that there's millions of dollars that are not mine to be lost. But I'll tell you this: I'd be a whole lot more likely to fork out. The two hundred dollars it would cost me to take my my family of four to a Pacers game and sit in the seats that I would want to sit in, right? I would be much more likely to do that if I knew that when I did that, the teams that were playing, whether it's a Pacers team or the opponent, their best players were going to be on the floor. Because the last two times that I forked out money to go to a Pacers game, both times the other team's best player was sitting, was resting, and it was like. Great. I'm really glad that I spent this money to come see Kevin Durant in person for the first time for him to take the night off when he's not when he's not injured. And I think that's a huge problem for the NBA. Yeah, but I, and I think if that's what you're going to do, I, I don't think. It would have well, to they're be not like going to do the, it. No, but it has to be on the marketing and selling like. Oh, yeah. You just you just get you just get your marketer to get a little bit more money like. I don't well, think you have it would to, cost that much more money. They would lose. They would lose. Like the TV contract is where they take a hit because you, you just bump, you just bump it up. Like man, yeah. Like, all the best players are playing all the time. Yeah, like there's no load management. I think that that I don't know. They got to do something because the regular season's brutal, and the playoffs are outstanding. So the 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 difference oh. in the, the levels is not even funny, and it's just it's just disappointing. I, I can then, watch NBA playoff basketball all day long. A hundred percent, and I can't watch a regular season game to save my life. Like I can't, I can't do it. I'm like, this is awful, and I just turn it off. It's crazy, and I love. I mean, I don't know many people that like basketball more than I do, and I'm telling you, I can't, 
I can't stomach the regular season. It's bad. All right, let's turn the page on the NBA. Yeah. Even though we both agree last night was the game of the year so far. It was. Can last night's game be topped in these playoffs? Hmm. I don't know. You know where one thing we didn't go into in last night's game? Where? Playoff P. Oh, playoff P, <laughs> yeah. Jeez, we didn't go there. Uh, I was gonna, getting... I was gonna see if you were gonna go down there, but you didn't. I didn't go down there. He took the high road. I did. How about I that? that? I don't, I don't want to take the high road anymore. How about that? As a Pacers fan, how does it make you feel when you watch playoff P go to the line to ice the game and he legit lays two bricks? That uh, pretty good one. Pretty good absolutely. one. If your one of your friends sends you a message after the game that just all it says is playoff P, nothing else. I love it. Like, if it's that awesome. just tells you the state of Indiana with Paul George. I think that, like, you know, that's, that's, that's karma. karma, man. Like, you're not that tough. Like, you wanted to go to a bigger market. You wanted – Indiana wasn't good enough. Like, yep. Oklahoma City, you, Oklahoma City yeah. wasn't good enough. You think you're better than everybody, and then it's like you get in those situations, and, man, like, you have not been very good when the actual – Crunch time. You're right. A few times – like, last series he was – He's he's some moment. Yeah. We're not saying he's not a phenomenal but would, player. But, but I would too if I got as many opportunities as he has had. Like I mean, he, I, I would never say he's not a phenomenal player because he's a phenomenal player. And I rooted for him hard when he was a pacer, and I'd still be rooting for him if he was a pacer. Uh we talked about this one before we jumped on. Like, as a Pacers fan, the Pacers have to do something. They have to figure out something to keep players that they draft from leaving at the first chance that they have to leave. And Paul George is not the only example. There are others, but he, he's Oladipo. Yeah. But Oladipo, I mean, yeah, he comes to town and this is my city. This is my city. And then he can't wait to leave either. Like there's, there's gotta be something about, I don't know if it's the market. I don't know if it's the, what about this? What if, what if it's, I think it's the organization and the and their um, lack of wanting to go above the luxury tax. Well, I think that's true too. But at the same time, like even if they were above the luxury tax, they're still not even. I mean, they're not even getting interviews or e- even meetings with free agents. But you're not going to meet with Indiana because if I'm a, if I make a decent amount of money, my agent knows that. Indiana wants no part of it because they have never spent above the luxury tax. Yeah, I guess that's true. So it's like if I'm Victor Oladipo and Paul George, like I can't recruit my friends to come play for me because I, I know damn sure in the past proof is in the pudding. Like, yeah, they've never, they've never paid. So I can't try to get, get you to come here for an interview and you're making 8 million and everybody else is giving you 11 million. I know I have no chance. Yeah, it's true. I don't know. I just feel like that's something that the Pacers got to figure out because it's it's discouraging as a Pacers fan. Because well, let's when be real, I'm as bad as drafting as you are, like it's and they, as you say, they haven't, they have not, they have not turned a lot of their high high ish. I mean, granted, they haven't had a high high draft pick in a long time, but they Austin haven't turned was the last one. Miles was what was he? Eleven. Yeah, but that's um, not high pick though. I mean, that's eleven. He might have been thirteen. I think it was 11. The last time I can remember the Pacers having control of a, of a top five pick was in the year 2000. 
when they drafted when they got Jonathan Bender in the trade for Antonio Davis at the top at the five pick. That's the last time I can remember the Pacers in the top five. Now, part of that is great because that means they're consistent enough that they're not often in the lottery. But at the other time, other end, but if, you're, NBA, but if you're a small market, then you gotta you gotta build through the draft. You gotta suck to suck. Like, you got yeah. I mean, these gotta be bad for a year or two and get some picks. Like, man, it's it's brutal, dude. I don't know what the answer is, but I'm frustrated. I'm very frustrated with the with the sirs. They're frustrating me. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard to watch. And now that then they they hit the lottery. The lottery was ninety two percent likely that the Pacers would be pick thirteen. They're pick thirteen. <laughs> Everybody kind of stayed the same from like, what's it, 8 through 13, 7 yeah. through four, 14, I meant. So the Pistons so, probably take Cunningham kid out of Oklahoma State. Maybe we can find a way to get some. No way. He's long gone by 13. You know what? Here's, here's what we do. We offer the 13th pick, Malcolm Brogdon, and one of the two bigs. Sabonis. You, you're saying Sabonis and not mine. Uh, I was a long. Uh, so you're on the you're on the bye bye Domas train, right? And I've never been on that until recently. Okay, so we're getting rid of Domas. Miles. To what? To, until watching the playoffs. <laughs> okay, so Miles, Malcolm, no Domas, Malcolm Brogdon, and the thirteenth pick. To who's got who's got picks after? No, I don't want the. I don't. It's the Rockets. Hold on, I'm I'm looking it up. I'm looking it up. Yeah. Rockets. Magic. Oh my gosh. Bunny just walked so close to me. It's crazy. The thun- is the Thunder in there? The Thunder's somewhere in there. Houston's like second. Yeah. Houston's second. Detroit's Here first. we go. Here's the order. Detroit, then Houston, then Cleveland, then Toronto, then Orlando. Cleveland. Cleveland. So we're going to go from Cle- gonna Cleveland's dumb enough. 13, 13th pick, Malcolm and Domas for the third pick. And they got to throw in somebody. One of the two guards, either Darius Garland or Colin Sexton. They, what about Kevin Love? Colin he doesn't Sexton. want to be there. No, no. Well, he might. Yeah, I don't know. No, him and Miles are the same guy. Him and Miles are both uh, that's hangers. True. That's true. You got to keep true. Domas if you're, you're right, Kevin You're right. You're right. Well, they're not giving us Sexton. I think one of those two's got to go because they're going to draft. They're going to draft a guard. Who's the guard from uh, Bandy? Garland, Dar- Darius Garland. Yeah, that's him. That's they're, they're not giving up either one. If they take, we might get that. Oh, what's that do with the O? Oh, oh, what? Osama, whatever his name is. I got he, no was idea. There, he was there, and LeBron was there. Well, he's not there then. Yes, he is. His name, it starts with an O. Last name. I bet my I life. I don't care. I don't know. You do care. This is a legit, this, this is a legit trade. You're killing out worth the, I'm going to do the NBA draft trade machine and see what, uh, see what we come up with. All right. I'm looking up the Cavaliers, Cleveland. Jeez. This is exactly what our listeners want to do right now. They want to hear me look up the Cleveland Cavaliers freaking roster. Here we go. Cleveland Cavs roster. Here we go. In technology, great. In technology, great. It is, except I'm using my phone, so I can't look it up. All right, here we go. Cleveland Cavs roster. Oh, it's even got their salaries. All right, we got 
Jared Allen. We got Matthew Delavadova. We got Damian Dotson, Darius Garland, Isaiah Hartinson. Uh, I have no idea how to say that guy's name. Kevin Love, Jeremiah Martin. Oh, Isaac Okoro. Is it Eric Isaac Okoro you're talking about, or Seti Osman? There's two Osman. O's. Uh, it's, Osman. it's Osman. All right, he's six foot seven. He's owed eight million eight hundred forty thousand dollars in the NBA. The money has to add up. I don't know. Oh, you know who yeah, the Pacers need to get from this? The Pacers need to get Osman. Dylan Windler, because he's from <laughs> because he's from Indianapolis, he's a Perry Meridian kid, and he can flat fill it. He can't shoot it, dude. He can stroke. I don't care what anybody says. That dude, you get that dude on a team where he could just stand on one of the corners or in the wings to shoot. He's he's gonna make it. He's already making two mil. He's gonna make way more than that. So he should play for the Sixers. He should play for the Sixers. He would make. He would. He he would become the next Kevin Herter. Jeez. All right, what's next? All right, moving on. All right, picking a fight. Uh, I dove, I dove into the data after our last discussion because a few listeners, a few listeners, had the audacity to say that Charlie was wrong on his opinion of John Shire as not being uh, this unbelievable hire for the Dukey Blue Devils. You said it was an unbelievable hire. You said you said it was a uh, great I, hire. Do, I, 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 I didn't say unbelievable. That's a you, that's a larger word. You said it was a great hire, and that they were gonna, hire. that they were going to remain the same Duke as they've been. They're going to be relevant. Yes. You said okay. So here's what I did. I was so I was so flabbergasted by your support of one John Shire. I'm I'm still supportive. That I dug into the data. I'm I'm listening. Do you know what the Coach K coaching trees win loss record is as head coaches? It's not great. Two thousand three hundred sixty seven wins versus two thousand twenty eight. Losses, which is a winning percentage barely over 500. What's up, Biggs? And he's like, I'm scared. And I'm just going to tell you the, the the best winning percentage coach of all coaches that have ever gotten a head coaching job that were on Mike Shashevsky's staff is Mike Bray of Notre Dame. Who, by the way, is the winningest coach in the history of Notre Dame, so good for him. He's also never been in the Final Four, and he's never had a top ten recruiting class. And those are things that are normal expectations at Duke. My point is... Yeah, it's like, where are you going with this? There is absolutely no evidence to support the argument that Duke remains the Duke of the last 40 years because they hired John Shire. And that's all, say, that you, I, all that you, I said in the last episode. You could say that about every hire of mankind. No shit. That, that's what I said. And you were all like, you were all like, <laughs> John Shire is he's like this phenomenal coach. I don't, I didn't say he was a phenomenal oh, coach. Oh, no, I will play it back. Don't make me play it. I'm, I never use those words. Going to the tape. Go on to the tape. You better hope I can't figure out how to play this. I would never use the word phenomenal. 
You okay? Yeah, because you don't know how to say phenomenal, but you right. Still, that's a big word. That's a big word for us. Essentially, what you were I arguing. Was just saying for the university. You know what? Why aren't you patting them on the back? The fact that they will actually hire a former coach and former player. I I have no problem with them hiring a former player. I'm saying to you that the it idea took twenty it took us twenty years twenty years the idea, the idea that they're going to remain the program they have been when they've already fallen off. Do you remember their season last year? They didn't make the tournament. That's not a fair comparison. Why? COVID. COVID. Oh, stop with the COVID. Stop. Stop. Under that argument, little Archie should still be in charge of the Hoosiers because of COVID. Yeah, but he also had three more years before that. Mike Krzyzewski had 41 and had the top recruiting class. Right, well, the top so, so, so you're class. letting one year, one year? I'm saying one missed year. the tournament twice in his – he's been coached since God. He's been coached for 41 years. <laughs> and my whole point is Duke wasn't Duke before he got there, and Duke very well may not be the Duke of the last 40 years when he is gone. You uh, may be that John Shire – was gonna be. They was just gonna keep on, keep this train rolling. I think, I, I think he will. And I think that once he gets in the big boy chair, things are gonna get a little different. I don't know. And I've got every single head coach that's ever been on Mike Shashevsky's staff that became a head coach. I've got. I'm looking at their wins and loss record. Why do you think Mike Mike kicked him away and said, no, you're not good enough? I don't think he kicked him away. I think that he said, I'm not leaving anytime soon. If you want to be a head coach, you got to go be a head coach someplace else. But if they were, if they were dedicating good enough, they would have stayed. No, shut up. You wouldn't have stayed. You if wouldn't it was, stay for Duke? No, because you, there's no guarantee you, I was getting the job. You, no. You go Harvard. You go to Harvard. No. He didn't go to Harvard first. He went to Michigan first, number one. And I absolutely would go for two or three million a year, which is what they get paid when they go to be a head coach the first time. And they leave Duke where they're making one hundred fifty thousand a year, which is great money. But if you can go from a hundred, oh, you think they're making one hundred fifty? I don't know what the heck they're making at Duke. It's a private school; they don't have to show it at Indiana University. We can look right. up their contracts. But my right, point I'm is, and they're making a lot more than one hundred fifty. Okay, they're making five hundred k, whatever. It ain't three. <laughs> it ain't three million. You know. I'll, I, I will say this. I had a conversation with Todd Licklider, who was the head, head men's basketball coach at Butler University and had a lot of success there. Really? How do you do at Marion? Okay, that's you're, you're jumping in on a conversation you don't know anything about, youngster. <laughs> I had a conversation with him. He left Butler after having a lot of success because the money that he got from Iowa was life-changing money for his family for the rest of his life. He never has to work again. He's a freaking head coach at University of Evansville again now. Like, oh, he did get that job. He's made which enough is crazy because he couldn't win. He couldn't win in the Crossroads League. I don't think he wanted to recruit in the Crossroads League. You got to work. You know, <laughs> I'm saying he didn't want to work. Yeah, he's like, okay, I'm now. He he probably was making less than a hundred thousand dollars, and he was um, going damn. I don't want to well, work as hard as I did for three level, million for a hundred fifty thousand. Well, at the level he's at now, he can have his assessments go and do. And but that's what I'm saying. Up. All I know is he told me to my face, to my face, in a conversation, that if, if basketball was the only consideration, he would have never left Butler ever. 
Iowa could offer him something that he, that could that could change the alter the his children going forward. And he can't say no to that. So that, that's my point. All these guys who left to go be head coaches, you would have done the same thing. Don't act like you wouldn't have. I remember coaching with you and you wanted to be a head coach. Don't even come at me with, oh, I wouldn't have left. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, because I was making like $4,000. Who cares? It the money's irrelevant. <laughs> the point is no, – No, everyone... but not if that's – like if you are a I – th- I think that's why Shire was the guy all along because he was – You assume that. Do, no, I think Duke was Duke was if, his place. Like if Chris Collins, if Chris Collins says I'm going to stay a Duke coach until you retire, then he would have been the guy. If Steve Wojcikowski would have said I'm staying coach till you retire, he would have been the guy. John Shire had been around long enough to say, "Man, I'm tired of waiting." Well, if they were the guy, then why couldn't they go get a head job and still be? The they guy? did. They did. Why aren't they? Why aren't they the guy? I don't know. You'd have to ask the people at Duke. <laughs> the point is, it's a whole lot different when you go across that seat. And don't act like you don't know that. Oh, I think it's different, but I don't think it's... Oh, I think it's way different. Especially a place like Duke. Yeah, but if you coached there for 10 years, played there, and you won national championship, like... It's a different deal. Different deal. All those things that Mike Krzyzewski does... I think it's just I, – I think I think we're going to – once Mike Krzyzewski actually retires and is gone, we're going to look at the Duke schedule, and we're going to compare notes on where we think they're going to be, and we're going to make a friendly wager on whether John Shire will be as good as you – whatever determination you want to make. Here's why I think it's different. Because he's a former player – Matt Doherty was a former player at the University of North Carolina, and he crapped the bed. Okay, are you are you ready to listen? For every one of these guys, you, I can come Coach back. K, you, know you did this to me the whole time I was talking. <laughs> Coach K is not going to his grave. Neither I was Dean Smith. I think he's still going to be involved in recruiting. I think he's still going to be involved in. He's going to be really. He can't. Why? Legally, he can't check the rules. What can he do? What can what can he do? He can talk at public events. He can be at fundraisers. He can be at practices. He so can he's going to essentially be all things that he is now, so that John Shire can do to, nothing but coach basketball at seventy five years old. John, it has nothing to do with John Shire. It does have everything to do with John Shire. No, it has everything to do with Duke. Whatever. Whatever. I can't wait for John Shire to just. I can't wait for John Shire to suck ass so I can just rub it in your face. I'm going to text Greg Paulus right now to let John Shire know. Good. Tell Greg Paulus he sucks too. To to give a suck it sign every time after every game they win. I hope he does. I hope he does. Every game. Every game that they win. Like 12 times a year. 15 maybe. (laughs) They're going to be for (laughs) two and a half years then. 50. That's exactly right. And then Coach K is going to go. Oh no, no, give him time. You know, if they if they had done what they but always I did, to, if, I just three. find that so hard with the level they've been at that it's going to drop off that far. Dude, there's so go back and look. There are so many programs that once the guy, whoever the guy is, once the guy leaves, 
things are rough. Like people always like to point to Matt Painter as this great like transition. Go back and look at Matt Painter's first couple years. They sucked. They were awful. It'd be it took him to, five years to, to get to be where Purdue, and then and even after that five years, they had two or three bad years where in this climate he probably gets fired. But they they weathered the storm, and he got started getting Purdue got Purdue guys again. Look yeah, at Butler, like, Miller, former player. How'd that go? I'm you saying wanna, you're comparing Butler to Duke and Purdue to Duke. Honestly, Butler Butler and Duke are way more similar than Purdue and Duke. If we're being real, what? Oh God, yeah. Go look at dude. As a school. It's essentially the same place, but not, but not athletics. Yeah. But in 1982, you're forgetting forgetting, like all the money and cheating and everything else that has gone on at Duke for so long with all the houses and stuff. Like you're, I, I, you're missing all of that, all of that. I'm not missing any of that. I'm just saying (laughs) some of that. I know. I'm, I'm just saying that some of that may not come as easy now. Uh, there's still Duke and the money that they have and the parents and the way Kentucky, that they've just been able to Kentucky house Kentucky. players. They got busted multiple times. North really? Carolina was still North Carolina. How's, UNLV. How's Duke, UNLV. How's Duke been busted? How's UCLA been doing since John Wooden left? Uh, they were pretty good this year. Oh please! They were an eleven seed. You better play in the playing game. Yeah, we both loved watching. You said you said USC. No, I said UCLA. (laughs) Which they were pretty good this year. They were, yeah, but they were still they were an eleven seed who had to play in the playing game, and they got hot at the right time, and they made a great run. And you and I cheered for them like crazy, and I still would again. No, you're not. I can be nuts. I'm older than you. Seen the world more than you, and I'm telling you, only by a few years. I'm a lot older than you. I'm essentially, I'm like 80, and you're like 29. I wish. Even- I can't, <laughs> I can't wait for John Shire to just dominate, and I you can't, just I can't wait for John Shire to get fired in four years and <laughs> become a, a mid major head coach in some place like Ball State. That's what I can't wait for. Which they probably <laughs> is that guy still down there? What guy? Yeah, he's still there. Your boy Botsy's like his top guy. Huh. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. All right, so we'll see in a year. In a year from now, we'll look at Duke's schedule. We'll have this argument. And we're going to have – this argument's never going away. (laughs) Because I got you youngsters who just think you know. Uh Uh-uh. It's not as easy as people think. Never said it was easy. You, you, I'm going back. I'm going to go back to the tape. You're just going to start getting voicemails of just you I, talking. You just, no, that's all you're going to hear. You're going to get a voicemail. It's going to be like your voice saying, John Shire is great, unbelievable hire. That's just all that's going to happen. That's all that's going to come your way. I think, I think he's a good hire because I don't know who else they would have hired. And that's fine. And that's fine. But that doesn't mean they're going to stay this unbelievable program that they've been with Mike Shesky there. That's all I'm they're saying. Gonna be, they're going to be better than IU. Well, maybe. <laughs> My, hey, let's be real. The first two years after Mike, after Bob Knight left, were pretty damn good for IU. Yeah, that's true. A lot of people were going, oh, my God, Mike Davis, the second coming. And then all of a sudden, the aura of Bob Knight was gone, and things got a little rough. 
Yeah, I'll give it two years. John Turner might have great things because you're right. Coach K might be involved until he's 77. But then at some point, he's going to go, you know what's really nice? Sitting on the beach or playing a little couple couple rounds of golf or reading a book or whatever. <laughs> playing playing checkers. Playing chess. Playing, playing chess at Cracker Barrel. Playing chess. The big, giant checkered board at Cracker Barrel in the rocking chairs. All right, this fight's not over. It will never be over, but that's okay. All right, last thing. Don't know if you saw this. The Hoosiers are in the running for multiple top 50 candidate or top 50 recruits with no scholarships. What? What do we make of that? Oh, oh, for next year? Yeah. Well, clearly Trace has told him that this is last year. Yeah. But who else is going to go? Uh with the portal, I think you always got to over recruit. Oh, I think it's going to be nuts because, like, there's going to be guys that you're just like, I don't want you here, and you're going to put him in your office, and you're going to say, you know what, you suck. You mean you like, hard to like Jerome Hunter did with uh, with Mike Woodson yes. after like yes. two weeks? Yep. Wouldn't you have liked to have been on the fly on the wall to see that conversation? I'm guessing that conversation happened multiple times. Yeah. Before it got to the ending point. Before it got to buy by Jerome. Yeah, it's like, hey man, like we're gonna give you a chance, but we saw your play and we saw how you interacted with Archie. And we're not about that life. We're not <laughs> Coach Woodson. Mike Woodson is not about that life. Like if, man. if you if the head coach is like pointing to the locker room during a game, I don't care if the coach is freaking crazy or not. Yes. There's something There's wrong something. with the player as well. There's something going on there. Well, yeah, he's gone. Just one side. So, yeah, so a couple, couple guys. Um, so, interesting just to see if – I don't know if you follow the recruiting stuff. I don't follow it very closely, but somebody sent it to me yesterday that some big-time some big time player out of the uh, D.C. metro area uh, has named IU as a finalist of his five final schools. Hmm. So, that's pretty exciting. As a well, yeah. Guy, so who? So Trace will be the only one leaving. Trace will be gone. Um, that's the only one we know for if he goes pro. I mean, there, there's only because all these guys got this extra year with COVID. So who knows who's actually going to be gone and who's not? It's going to be very interesting. That's something we're going to have to dig into when the season starts. But for now, I think this is enough for this week. I think so. All right, we'll fight about John Shire more next week. <laughs> the proof is going to be in the pudding. Yes, two years of success with Coach Krzyzewski hanging over his head and then complete and utter downfall like every other coach. Man, I don't know. That's, it's so hard to imagine that. Yeah, well, not for me. I imagine that's what's going to happen. Like you're talking All right. like... All right, Charlie's, Charlie's ready to sign off. I've made everybody, I've made everybody feel uncomfortable by picking this fight. <laughs> all the Duke fans, all the all the closet Duke fans who claim to be Hoosiers are all, so all of our listeners, all of our listeners who are closet Duke fans who want to claim Mike Shashevsky as part of the Bob Knight coach tree or whatever. Oh, that's aggressive. I'm not going there. All right, well, we're, we're, <laughs> you just did. Yeah, well, I mean, he listened. He played for Bob Knight, so you can make that argument. Um, Let's see. I don't think he wants to be thought of as being part of the Bob Knight coaching tree, but I probably wouldn't either. 
I would. I would own that like crazy. I'd be like, oh yeah, I'm all about that life. Even though I read a book, I read. I was reading this book about uh, high school basketball in Indiana. It's called Transition Game. It's called How Hoosiers Went Hip Hop. It's actually pretty good. And uh, it told this Bob Knight story that just made me cringe on levels. I will not repeat it. That's how bad it was. It made me cringe. And I was so uncomfortable. And I thought, gosh, I hope that's not true. <laughs> like, I won't even repeat the story. Like, it's that upsetting. That's crazy. All right. Well, we're going to end this episode. We went down a, we went down a dirty rabbit hole that's now, now, ever, now it's all, now it's, now it's just ugly. We'll get back to Hoosier it's basketball. More, it's more than a rabbit hole now. We're shutting. We're shutting down for the summer, though. Fans, are we yeah. gonna do another? Are we gonna do one more at the end of the NBA? Or are we gonna be done? We talked about this being the last one. I think we just do one at the end of uh, whoever wins the. All right, we'll do one to we'll do one to finish off the NBA finals, and then we're calling it a year, and we'll jump back on in the fall around the time season's getting amped up all right so all of our like 25 30 listeners we really appreciate you and uh this is this is charlie and dad signing off for this week everybody out out Thanks so much for listening to the Charlie and Dad Bod Pod. We hope you'll tune in again next time.